What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast, your source for real-life application on how to turn your struggles into strengths in all things mind, muscle, and money. I am your host, Josh Levine. I am joined here by my longtime friend and my co-host, Travis Hatch. And y'all, today, we have an incredibly special, warming, and valuable episode for you. From homeless to hero, we have Michael Unbroken, founder of Think Unbroken, best-selling author, award-winning speaker, podcast host, coach, an advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma. He is here to change your fucking life. I cannot express the importance of listening to this podcast episode from front to back. This was an incredibly valuable conversation for me, and I know it will be for you as well. Travis and I had an incredible time talking to Michael today. But before we get into it, we ask that if you love this episode, I know you will. Please give us five stars on Apple or a follow on Spotify. Share us on your socials. You can find me at Josh Levine Fitness, Travis at Travis Hawks Media, and Michael at Michael Unbroken. Links are in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast at Struggle to Strength Pod. That's it. Get your notebooks ready and get ready to do some deep shadow work because this episode could very well change your life if you let it. We will see you inside. First off, I'd, I'd like you to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself and maybe tell us your story of, uh, you know, you, you've gone from homeless to hero. And, and I, I'm just very interested to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, diving right in. All right, let's do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, the elevator pitch version of it, when, when, I was, when I was four years old, my mother, who was a drug addict and alcoholic, she actually cut off my right index finger. And my stepfather was super abusive, the kind of guy you praise, never your stepfather. And I spent the majority of my childhood deep in poverty and homeless. By the time I was 10, I actually lived with like 30 different families. Um, I got high for the first time when I was 12, drunk at 13. By 15, I was expelled from school. I was selling drugs, breaking into houses, stealing cars, hurting people. And luckily I got put into a last chance program. Still did not graduate high school on time. And I found myself after hurting my knee, not being able to get into the military and being like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? That was the only plan. And I thought to myself, well, what's the solution for poverty? What's the solution for abuse? It's got to be money, right? Like what else could it possibly be? And so I made a goal by the time I'm 21, I want to make $100,000 a year legally. And that was super important because my uncle's in prison for life, my family go to jail, I've been in handcuffs, and today my three childhood best friends have been murdered. Like I knew the path, like I knew if I didn't change something where I was going to be. And so I did it. By the time I was heading into my 21st birthday, I got a job with a Fortune 10 company, no high school diploma, no college education, and I started making six figures. And then that thing happens that everybody tells you is going to happen it made my life so much worse. And I found myself at 350 pounds, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day, drinking myself to sleep. And I put a gun in my mouth. I was just done. I was like, money was supposed to fix this. And it didn't. Because the truth was, I was still that hurt little boy. I was still dealing and hiding from all the things that happened to me when I was young. And you would think this gun thing, like that would be that would be the moment. That'd be the rock bottom. But it wasn't. It was the next day. So I'm lying in bed. And keep in mind, I'm 350 pounds. I'm smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake, and watching the CrossFit games. Like, if that's not rock bottom, like, I don't know what is. And I went in the bathroom, and I was looking at myself in the mirror, and I didn't recognize the face on the other side. And I remember being eight years old, and the water company came and turned our water off. I grew up in Indianapolis. I grew up in a city, but we were that poor. We had our water turned off all the time, the electricity, the gas, the heat, all of it. And so this particular day, I go in the backyard. I get this little blue bucket. I walk across the street to the neighbor's house. I turn on the spigot from the side of their house. And for the first time, I stole water. And I said, well, when I'm a grown-up, this is not going to be my life. And to an extent, it wasn't right? Because I had money, I had cars, I had all this success that didn't mean anything. But I was still that hurt, lost little boy. And as I looked in the mirror, 
I asked myself, well, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And the words, no excuses, just results started reverberating through my body. And in that moment, everything started to change. Well, fast forward 11 years later, here I am talking to you guys. And that was a process that was tremendously deep in healing and personal growth, therapy, group therapy, men's group therapy, trauma therapy, CBT, EMDR, NLP, gestalt therapy, getting serious about personal development and education, reading the books, going to the conferences, watching the videos, listening to the podcasts, um, going to the support groups, AA, NA, SA, adult groups, all those things, getting a mentor, getting a coach. And then it turned into getting trauma-informed education. And today I have, I'll be honest with you, I've forgotten over 35 trauma-informed certifications because I just buried myself in education. I was trying to solve the problem of how my life became so disastrous. And that's how I got to where I am today. Wow. That is an incredible story, man. The way you articulate it is, is really captivating. I mean, as, as the, the title of our podcast suggests, you know, we, we are quite literally, you know, creating strength from all the struggles that we endure every day, but you have to be willing to face it. And then you also have to be willing to recognize it. How I, I know that I can have trouble recognizing toxic behavior and recognizing when I'm fucking up um, and then learning to be able to articulate it through conversations in therapy and just other avenues in order to learn more about yourself, you become able to articulate it the way you have here. How long did it take you to recognize these things after and to go back and work through them and be able to articulate them as well as you do today? Yeah. Well, you know, I could not have any of these conversations had I not done a tremendous amount of work. Let's be clear. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's first and foremost, you have to do the work if you want to have a conversation like this. Going back, being a child, one of the things that I, I remembered is just all of these moments in which I was just measuring human behavior. In part, it was a survival tactic. Like if I wasn't feeling safe about someone, I needed to make a snap judgment about them. When you're homeless and you live with 30 plus different families, you need to be totally cognizant and aware. And so I have always had this sense of awareness, this kind of marker, this, this thing for the right and wrong of the world, of myself and of people in it. And I think that the big part of my experience was I was ignoring my my intuition when it came to the choices and decisions I was making. Like, I remember this being like 12 years old and the first time I got high, my, my best friend came over, we were riding bikes. He was like, do you want to get high? And I was like, even though my gut was like, you probably shouldn't do this. My intuition said, no, I fought that intuition. So I did it anyway. Right. And that started a spiral. And then, you know, you get into my late teens and early twenties, it was so much about drugs and alcohol and sex and women and clothes and cars and just this chaotic lifestyle where, you know, every time I would do something, I would come out of the backside and I'd be like, I can't believe I did that. Right. You know, that feeling, that emotion, that moment. And, but the truth is I could believe I did it because I'm the one who put myself in that situation. I'm the one who made that choice and decision. Here's, here's what's really interesting, Josh. When I, stopped negotiating with myself. I stopped doing stupid shit. Right. And what I mean by that is I was spending all this time in this gray area of going, ah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Everybody does it next time tomorrow. You know what I mean? And so the more that I did that, the more that I would take and do these really terribly negative behaviors. Now to get into depth and answer your question, what I started to understand was that I was terrified to trust my intuition. I was terrified of my own potential. Why? Because as a child, every time I tried to move towards my intuition, in those, excuse me, in those developmental years, when you're trying to figure yourself out, where you're like, I like this band and this kind of food and that kind of clothes. And I do the weird things that weird kids do because they're weird and they're trying to figure out who they are. Every time I would do that and try to figure out who I was, there was pain involved in it. There was trauma, there was abuse, there was verbal, there was neglect, there was punishment. That was in my home. And then you stack that with being in school 
where your teacher says, you can't color the moon purple. Who do you think you are? Walk on the right side of the hall. Don't you talk about that thing in this classroom? And so when you understand that we're a communal species, right? The number one thing that we want to do is survive. And what do we do to survive? We adapt. Well, if you don't adapt and you don't fall in line, if you will, in this context, you get ostracized from the community. You get ostracized from the community. Survival is limited. So I learned to turn myself off and you find yourself at 18, 32, 57 years old, having never actually trusted your intuition before, because the only experience you ever had was ramifications when you did. And so what happened was, as I started getting deep into this healing journey and learning about my own behaviors, I was parlaying that with learning to trust my intuition and be willing to make mistakes and be willing to not be perfect and be willing to acknowledge that I didn't know what I was doing and that I needed help. And so in that, I've started to get this really interesting understanding of who I was being able to have a better marker for the way that I was operating within the world. I hope that wow. makes sense. That makes perfect Absolutely. sense. And, and and honestly, the way you talk about it, as someone who's in therapy and has been in therapy for a long time, and will always, I will always have a therapist. And I believe every, most people should. Um, the way you're talking, I'm like, wow, this guy's fucking one therapy. Like he's, <laughs> he, he, he gets it. <laughs> so it's really interesting to hear you talk about all these things. Now, you were, you were talking about... Um, when you started to stop making bad decisions and you started to start being there for yourself and stop doing dumb shit, was that after the rock bottom moment that you were talking about earlier, the day after uh, the event? Yeah, yeah. So in that moment, looking in the mirror, what really happened was this concept of I'm not going to negotiate with myself anymore. I literally remember like in, I, I talked to myself a lot and I was like, I don't negotiate with terrorists and I'm being a terrorist to myself. Right. Well, that's really what I was thinking because I, I was, I was burning down. Look, it's the equivalent of standing inside of your house that is on fire and being the one holding the matches. That's what my life yep. was. And so as I went through this journey, you know, the, the, it started with these, these very microscopic changes. It was just very incremental. You know, people think that the way that you create change in your life is you got to do a 180. Every time you do a 180, you're probably going to fail, right? People are like, I'm going to go cold turkey. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this and do that. I was like, what do I need to do today to make my life different, right? What do I need mm -hmm. today to move my life one degree in the opposite direction of where I am now towards the life that I think I might be able to create? And so in that, it was just this very, it was these small microscopic and granular changes that over time just added up. But it really just started with me getting real with myself, which we are terrified as human beings to do, you know, especially if there's a framework of trauma around it. And I had to ask myself, like, what I really wanted and I had to get super clear about it. And I had to make mm -hmm. hard choices in that clarity. And that involved making very difficult decisions like leaving relationships, closing businesses, leaving the state leaving the country, traveling the world, writing a book, going on pot, like all the whole nine, right? It's like, it's momentum. It's once you get the ball rolling, if you just keep going, eventually you'll get there. But where people get stuck is this. I made a mistake. I messed up one time. I might as well not even do it. And I only ever measure the fact that I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to mess up. And I use that and I leverage that information as data, and with that data, I basically create a new framework and understanding of who I am. Because when I have that, I know what I do or do not want or need or should be doing in my life, right? People get caught up in like perfectionism and they're scared to move forward. They're like blaming themselves for all these things they've done for the last 30 years. Do You can't even change what happened five seconds ago. And you're worried about Facts. fucking 30 years ago. Why don't you start thinking about what you can do instead of what you can't do? And I think the, mm -hmm. the example of like 30 years ago too is another, a whole nother layer of excuse that people use, which is, you know, oh, I'm too old to start over. I'm, you know, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, whatever. 
like what I'm doing now or the path, you know, the, the programming that I have now it's, it's over. Like I, you know, I, maybe I could have chosen a different path when I was 15 or 20. Uh, but I can't now. And like, that's one of the saddest things to me. Cause it's like, dude, you could be 60 and reinvent and totally start over, you know, there's no yeah. age limit <laughs> for hundred uh, percent. I mean, a bunch of people out here acting like uncle Rico's from Napoleon dynamite yeah. talking about if coach would have put me in the game, mm-hmm. bitch, you're still alive. <laughs> you're in the game. This is happening right now. You yeah, are the a, coach. I have a, I have a client who is 72 years old who just started their trauma healing journey who just decided I am done negotiating with myself and making excuses. You see, it's easy to play the victim. I did it for a long time. I stuffed it down. I hid from it. I ran from it. I played the victim. I distinctly remember conversations with people in my life and being like, I'm this way, deal with it. This is who I am because of that. That's a fucking cop out. And that's bullshit. And the truth about it is every time that you do that, not only are you being dismissive of yourself, but you're taking away from people. You're taking away, you're being selfish, right? Because every single time that you do that, you are continually perpetuating the cycle of abuse. And that's the thing people don't understand. And it's, let me be clear, because people are going to go, this guy's such a hard ass. He's such an asshole. I'm not. I'm not, I'm just honest. And people get stuck in this thing where honest is, honesty is somehow supposed to be this nicety. It's mm-hmm. not, it's just supposed to be true. And so in that, what I understand, and this was my own experience. So I'm, this is pot calling kettle black, right? I was destroying everything around me and just perpetuating the continuation of abuse in all of my relationships and all of my friendships at one point, my brother told me, I never want to talk to you again. I was doing the same thing that my parents and my community and my neighbors had done to us. Right. And so people want to leverage this past, play the victim, see how that works out for you right now. But it's fair. Cause look, look at this. We come by that honestly, right? People, we get ingrained in this mindset of you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not capable enough. Who do you think you are? Of course, you are poor. No wonder your dad left you. You've heard it all, right? And then what happens is you're an adult. You start having that conversation with yourself. Oh, yeah, of course I treat people like shit. That's how I was treated. They must deserve it too. And I start thinking about this one day. And it was like, how do you filter through this idea of mindset in a way that's actually practical. You can't see it, but in front of me, it says mindset is everything. And mindset is this word that in personal development is thrown around that makes me want to throw up in my mouth because no one ever talks about what it actually means. People like journal, meditate. Okay. And what does it mean? Here's what it means. Think about this. What you think becomes what you speak. What you speak become your action, your action become your reality. So if you're telling yourself through the funnel of the narrative, I'm not good enough, strong enough, capable enough, I'm a piece of shit, I'm a loser, of course I deserve this, you will create actions in alignment with that. And that will become your life. I'm going to teach you something practical here. It's what I teach every one of my clients, day one, moment one. Say, take a piece of paper and a pen. You're going to write this down. And you're going to convince yourself that this is true. I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. I am the kind of person who is kind to myself. Think about this. Right now, we are saying things to ourselves. Travis, you're saying things to yourself right now. If you told me, I'd punch you in the face. Straight up. Why are you doing that? (laughs) Why? Think about this. Now you start to you start to change this narrative. Okay. I'm going to be kind to myself. Ah, okay. What is mindset? What I think becomes what I speak. What I speak becomes my action. My action become my reality. So if I'm operating through this narrative of kindness for myself first, then on a long enough timeline, maybe I can do things that I didn't think were possible that other people said I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, I mean, we talk about this all the time and, and Travis has said multiple times before, you know, like if, if you talk to other people the way that you talk to yourself, yeah, they, you have a much higher likelihood of getting punched in the face. 
And so being kind to yourself is, well, I think, I don't know if you need to recognize that you need to be kind to yourself first or that you have to recognize that you're not the person that you want to be. But either way, I feel like both of those things have to happen. And I feel as though in my journey, they, they have kind of happened alongside each other. I mean, I remember not being the person that I wanted to be. And I remember uh, feeling like I could be a better human for other people. And the journey to recognizing that, realizing that I was kind of a shitty human and wanting to be a better human. Um, you, it started with being kind to myself. And then it started with being empathetic and understanding how my actions affect other people. And what I realized was you talked earlier about like, it becomes easier. I remember the moment that like the scale started to shift from me having a conversation with myself saying that I couldn't do something I want to, but I can't because of XX and X because of my past traumas that I didn't know existed to be honest. I remember the moment it felt like the scales just started to tip and I was barely on the other side, but being kinder to myself and being kinder to other people and becoming like having a better person being in reach to me felt so much more possible. And the momentum continued on, but it took a long time for me to even realize that I had trauma to begin with. Like I grew up with a loving family. I was very lucky and very blessed. And so it got me wondering like how many more people are struggling with this? How many more people are actually impacted by traumas from their childhood, whether or not they were as extreme as, you know, what we hear about as what you went through. Does everyone, is everyone like this? Yeah. You know, here's what I think is really interesting and fascinating. If you go back and look out the Adverse Childhood Experiences survey done in 1994 uh, by Dr. Folletti, the Kaiser Permanente and the California Center for Disease Control, they came to this basic understanding. I will say this. I think the, the study, it's called the ACE study. It definitely needs more money. It needs more research. It needs more time, effort and energy put into it. But as baseline, because that's the information we have, what they came across in this sample was that 83% of people in America, this is an average, um, excuse me, in the study, excuse me, um, had an adverse childhood experience, right? Now, let's define that because I want to answer your question, but I want to create some, some context around it. Well, it was a series of 10 questions. I won't go into 10, but it was, did anyone ever sexually assault you or molest you? Did a parent get divorced? Were you ever hurt? Were you ever not taken care of? Did a parent have a suicidal attempt? Was anyone in your family in jail, right? And then a few more questions. And depending on how you answered on that scale would create context for whether or not there were long-term detrimental health ramifications in association with those answers. Now, Chances are you answered yes to one of those questions, right? I think that's probably most people in the world, probably most people ever, right? Well, I got deep into it. And I was like, oh, I answered yes to all 10 of those questions, right? The study feels inconclusive to me. Why? For two reasons. One, it was done a very long time ago. Two, you have to take into consideration a couple of factors that A, most traumatic households have a role like this. If you tell anyone, it's going to be way worse than what happened the first time. And then two, you have this incredible amount of non-reports where people just do not report it. They don't talk about it. like perfect context. Growing up, Everyone in my family knew that my stepdad and my mom were kicking the shit out of me and my brothers. No one did anything about it, right? And so to answer your question, do I believe everyone is impacted by this? No, I don't. But I would say probably 95% of people on planet Earth have had a traumatic experience, right? And so when you look at that and you measure that and you start to understand the data between these correlations between abuse and long-term detrimental health ramifications, you can be up to 2,000% more likely to be a tobacco user, 2,200% more likely to be an alcoholic, up to 5,200% more likely to commit suicide 
right? Not to mention the fact that you'll be more likely to have pulmonary embolisms, heart attacks, diabetes, asthma, autoimmune diseases, because you're growing up in a cortisol state in this place where your body is always in fight or flight, never in this parasympathetic nervous system where you have the space for rest, digest, recovery. And so you take all of that, this hyper aware, hyper aroused state for the entirety of your childhood. And then suddenly you're getting sick and you're behaving in these weird ways and you're using coping mechanisms that don't actually help you. And then you look at your life and you go, it's upside down in a disaster. Like that's exactly what happened to me and what happens to people all the time. Even though Josh, they say, well, I grew up in a pretty good household based on what, right? And so I think the the, the long answer to your question is this. I think it's a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, I, I would, I would agree. There's the factor of like the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. You know, like other people's experiences don't, don't necessarily, you know, your, your brain doesn't necessarily actually subconsciously recognize that like, well, you had it better than other people. So I, so let's, let's not have trauma. You know, if it is like, a parent's divorce and them like taking it out on you over a period of many years as a young child, like maybe that's not as bad as someone else's experience, but like it can still turn into the exact same type of thing. And it's something that you need to, to work on as you get older. I found it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed this about myself over the past like few years when I've been trying to pay attention a little bit more about the way I am, who I am, that sort of thing that like I have a, I have a lot of, I don't, I don't really know what this is, but like, I have a lot of negative self-talk and then a lot of like, uh, like competitive anger. So instead of like the negative self-talk turning into me doing those things, it turns into me getting like angry at myself and using that to like accomplish things. And it's like this like weird system of like negative propulsion, you know? Like it gives me like energy and I, and I, and I like want to prove myself wrong. Like it's like someone else said it to me and I've just noticed, like, I've kind of always like relied on that. Like I've fallen back on that, like a crutch, like, Oh, I'll just like, I've, you know, I, I'll have this kind of like, all right, well, I'll, I'll fucking do it then and prove you wrong. Like anger type of thing. But it's like, as I'm getting older, it's exhausting. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, mm-hmm. that, I can still do the things and I can accomplish, you know, whatever, whatever, because I'll always tell myself like, you're not shit. You can't do that. And then I'll be like, well, fuck you. I, I can. It's just weird like thing, but th- I've realized like that's not sustainable, you know, and it's probably all the same, you know, type of thing. It's something like that, uh, that I need to work on. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally relate to that. I, I think about this quite often. It takes the same amount of energy to destroy your life as it does to build your life. Like, I really believe that it does. And so it's perspective. I think that, and and I, I leverage anger in this really powerful way in which in these moments in which I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I work 90 hours, I was on five podcasts a day, I wrote two books, like the whole nine, I'm like, I'm going to go into that reserve. There's a little darkness in that. I'm going to go and tap into that. I'm going to leverage it. Now, that's very rare that I get there. But I do think there is space for anger. Like everything about Think Unbroken started in this moment of, all right, I'm pissed off. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I have the same experience as you, dude, where I was like, I'm going to use anger to prove that uh, blah, 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 right? And then what happened was I thought to myself, what if I just tried to prove myself right? Yes. You know what I mean? That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. People get caught up in trying to prove things wrong or people wrong or who they can or can't be wrong. I'm like, shit, what if I prove myself right? It's just this small paradigm shift, right? Where you go, okay, cool. I think I can do this. Do you need anger to propel you into it? Anger is this really powerful catalyst. I love anger, right? I think that it's something that's not talked about enough in this space because people are like, be zen, be calm, let it pass. No, be angry. Feel the full spectrum of human emotions, right? It's okay to be angry, but how are you leveraging that anger? Because if you're leveraging it, like you said, it's exhausting to leverage anger in this way that propels you forward. It's a lot easier to go, I'm going to prove myself right. I can do this. 
without having that catalyst. So I think, mm. you know, it's, it's one of those things. And also I think it's just part of like growth. I think a lot of people go through that where you kind of get to this place where you notice. And, and I think noticing and, and acknowledgement is always the first step to creating massive change in your life. 100%. Yep. Yeah. You have to notice that something is not the way you want it to be, or it's not going the way you want it to go. And small, re- like it's, it really is as simple as it can be as simple as a small reframe. Like what you were talking about, instead of proving yourself wrong, proving yourself right. Um, I remember 2017, I had a, it was a long year of surgeries for me and I had multiple surgeries in 16, 17. And, uh, every time one came along or every time something happened, I was always like, you know what? It could be worse. And I was kind of going with Travis's, uh, concept of like, well, I have it bad, but it's not as bad as other people. And so it could be worse. And I was trying to use that in a positive light. I thought I was being positive, much like at some point you may have thought you were being positive by proving yourself wrong. It might sound like a pot, inherently positive thing to do. And when I kept on telling myself, you know, something would go wrong. I would need a surgery at a hernia surgery. I said, eh, it could be worse. And then, you know, I popped a disc in my back, you know, eh, it could be worse. And then my esophagus ruptured and I said, eh, it could be worse. And finally I was, I realized that like every time I said it could be worse, I wasn't wrong, but I wasn't right either. And it could be better. And at that point, instead of could be worse, I started using the term, it will get better. And like shit got better. I was like, well, all I have to do now is think of these positive re like reframes in my life and learn them. And just like I am the person, I'm the kind of person who is kind to myself. I need to learn them. I need to ingest them and make them a part of who I am. I become that person. So what other, I'm, I'm curious to know, like what other reframes have you found helpful in your life that are similar to this? Yeah, you know, that's a great question and, and a great point. There's there's a lot of really interesting research around positive psychology. And, you know, I, I think that there's there's some great research that people can dive into on it. Um, I, I would like to say this. We get caught up, especially as trauma survivors or, or people from certain home dynamics in which people go, you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. It could be worse. But no one ever says it could be better, which is really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And then I, I had this thought one day, I was like, whether it's better or worse, if someone has it better or worse than me, if Josh or Travis have it better or worse than me, what does that have to do with me? You know what I mean? What does your life have to do with what I do? And I, I think when you kind of like remove yourself from that narrative of the measurement because who determines it? What's the sliding scale? Are we on a bell curve? Like, is it something that we're going to do tick box for? Like, how do we know? And so I think when you remove that comparative factor from your existence and understand something, it's very much like literature, right? Life is a you versus you novel. It is a you versus you game. Other people have nothing to do with you. And that sounds really strange until you start to adapt it and adopt it into your life, because then you start to realize other people's choices, decisions, actions. Well, sure, do they play a role? Do, or by proxy, are you impacted? Sure, I'll never argue that. But still, ultimately, they don't really have anything to do with you. To answer your question, I'm going to reach over here. I, have, I read this every day. So I wrote out these 10 binary statements one day, and these statements are very simple. And they're very much about looking at life through the scope of creating this massive change that I want to see in my life. And you think about reframing, right? So the easiest way for me to step you through what I'm about to tell you would be to think of everyone I'm going to tell you as the opposite of what I used to think and now how I have changed it into this positive reframe. Okay, so for context, this was basically me sitting down and going, these are all the bullshit lies I'm telling myself, so I'm going to change them into possibility. But I'm going to be binary in it, yes or no, with no space for gray area. Just like the I am the kind of person who is kind to myself, I don't negotiate with myself. It is yes or no. So I'm just going to give you a couple as an example. I read these every day. And I'll change them periodically, but for the most part, they stay the same. I'm a person that puts healthy food into my body. 
interesting because I didn't used to be. I'm a person that will always risk making a mistake over questioning what if. Hmm, interesting. I didn't used to be. I'm a person that is patient and willing to sacrifice to make my dreams a reality. I'm a person that puts honesty above everything. I'm a person that will learn whatever I must to understand what I don't know. I am a person that will not allow trauma to determine my self-worth, value, or beliefs. Take the things in your life and think about how you're talking to yourself, even in the context of these. It's very simple, right? It's very simple because when you start to shift the way that you perceive yourself in the world, again, what you think becomes what you speak, you speak, become your action, your action, become your reality. These things start to come to pass, Think about this. If, if I was still a person that was impacted and allowed my trauma to determine my self-worth, my value, and my beliefs, do you guys think we'd be talking right now? No. No. No way in hell. So here's the thing. What I would challenge everyone to do is to take a deep dive reflection look at their life and how they consider themselves to exist right now. And create 10 binary statements about the person they are. Every one of these starts with, I am a person that, right? I have made a declaration to myself. This is not fucking negotiable. This is who I am. This is how I operate. This is how I think. And when you get in alignment with that, it's really incredible what you become capable of doing, right? Travis, perfect example. I am the kind of person that proves himself right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And think about, think about, um, let's take an example of someone who really needs to lose weight, for instance, to, um, for like health, health reasons. And they, you know, they want to, they want to feel good. They want to look good. Um, it's not like I am the type of person who is jacked, right? It's what are, what are the types of things that a jacked person is? So I am the type of person that puts healthy food in my body. If you do that every single day and that's non-negotiable, you're going to take leaps and bounds towards being a person who is jacked. You know what I mean? So yeah. mm-hmm. those, I think that's a really great way of thinking about it. Like uh, I started, you know, I, I started my own business doing media. And one of the things that I focus on is like, I am the type of person who, for instance, I'm the type of person who produces something every day. So if every single day I'm either shooting something or, or finishing an edit or doing a podcast or whatever, then that will turn into over time. Like if I do that every single day, that's going to turn into like successful media company. That's just the, you know, if I, if I, if that's non-negotiable, then the, so it's like, yeah, it's those habits. Like what are these type of person you, you want to be? And like, what are the, what are the key three habits of that person and make those non-negotiable? You'll become that person. It's just, just math, you know, it's science. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I like that. And, um, it it's, it's interesting. And I, I like hearing the process that you've taken to become this person, Michael, because like, we think stuff like this. I feel like people think stuff like this all the time. The, the process of, of writing it down and making it non-negotiable, non-negotiable, making it so clear makes it so much easier to, like we were talking about earlier, like actually ingest and become a part of you. And some of the ones that you, that you had mentioned are, are things that I've thought about of myself and I've never written them down. Specifically, you're, a, you're one about what ifs. I'm the kind of person that um, like I know I am the kind of person that would rather say, oh, well, then what if, and that would be like my, my version of that. Um, but it's powerful. I think this would be a really great exercise for people to do. And honestly, it's something that I'm like, man, I should even incorporate this into my business. Yeah, you should. It, yeah, you should. I feel like here's what it is. It's, 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 it's nakedly looking at yourself. It's, it's measuring yourself against yourself. I didn't say I'm the kind of person that should do stuff to make Josh happy. What do you have to do with me? Nothing. Right. And so in that, you know, it's, it's a great parameter for just creating a new understanding for who you are. 
but you have to mm. look at that. Like you have to read that. You have to have it right. It's an arm distance from me. Every day I come and sit in this office. I look at that. I read it the whole thing, top to bottom to start my day. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. creating context in my own life about the person I am effectively and, and not to be crass and using myself in the third person, but the Michael sitting here in front of you today is the realization of a caricature of the idea of the person I thought I could be. Like I mapped out who I am and I said, can I move mm-hmm. towards that? And then all these years later, here I am. And in the future, it will be different because it'll change and it, it'll grow and it'll evolve and I'll be this different person, right? We're so capable mm-hmm. of creating incredible things with our lives. We just have to give ourselves the space and the grace and the patience to do it, right? I mean, all the things people, people look at me and other people and it's so misconstrued this idea that we know something that you don't know. We don't. I don't, I, I don't know anything you don't know. I just happen to be very stubborn and I happen to be very obsessed with creating the life I want to have. And I just happen to be willing to sacrifice things to get there. You know, one, one of my mentors I'm lucky enough to have in my life, Grant Cardona said something to me that just, man, it like smacked me in the face one time. Cause I was like, that's what I've been doing my whole life, but I never had the words for it. You're going to have to quit something to get what you want. You're going to have to give something up to get what you want. And, and that's not selfish. People need to understand this. Like in the process of life, not creating the life that you're capable of having is selfish. People are worried about hurting other people's feelings. Well, you're probably going to anyway, right? That's the hard truth about the reality of the human experience. We can't appease everyone. We can't make everyone happy. We can't have perfection. It doesn't exist. But what you can do is build the reality that you're proud of to move through that thing that keeps you awake at night. Take the actions that are difficult. On the backside of every incredibly difficult thing I've ever done, I'm not saying my life has been better. I think that's a stupid measurement. I am saying, however, that my life has been different. So when you're sitting and you're like, how do I change my life? I want it to be better. Maybe don't think about better so strongly, right? What's what's the narrative for determining that? But instead go, can my life be different? Can I just move towards what I want to build, what I want to create? But you have to do this kind of internal reflection. You have to get really honest with yourself. You have to measure the people in your life. You know, I go back to being 14 years old, and this is going to shock some people. I put a restraining order on my mother at 14 years old. At 18, I told her I would never talk to her again. I like, I foresaw the future. Like I looked at it. I said, if I don't do this, I'll never sit down and have this conversation with Josh and Travis. It's not going to happen. And it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life without question, right? But the truth is, and this is a hard reflection for some people, your mom might be the reason that you're not going to the next level in your life. The people around you are probably pulling you down if you feel stuck. And the hard decisions, and look, that's that's like, that's the extreme of it. You know what I'm saying? But the hard decisions that you're not making in your life are the reason why your life sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, you, you, you were talking about like self selfish. And I think um, in like today, people throw around this word like selfish or narcissist. Um, they just kind of like throw, throw that word around, you know, in for, for whatever, whatever they want. But like the act of like, like you said, making a decision, you know, is it selfish to, to cut somebody out of your life instead of being like, well, I need, you know, I'm going to stick around and I'm going to stick by and I'm going to like try to fix this situation, which is probably unfixable. Um, like, is that, how is that selfish when in reality by, you know, making these hard decisions, you are going to positively infect your, uh, affect yourself and then positively affect everybody else around you instead of getting like drawn down into this negative space, you know, like, it's not, I don't think it is selfish to make, to like look at the, look at things through the lens of you and how to do that best instead of worrying about, you know, cause it is, it's just you and, and, and how, you know, how you interact with, with everything around you. Yeah. And, and I'll say this too, the, 
you made a good point about the lens of who you are. Most people don't have that defined because they don't have values. They've never sat down and identified how they operate in the world. Because if you don't have values, it's the old adage, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I go look at this pivotal, like for real guys, this shift that was so monumental in my life where I was listening to this podcast one time. I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about values. This was like seven years ago. I'm like, what the hell is values? I never heard this in my whole life. I was so enamored by it because it's this thing about building who you are. And I was like, oh, cool. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write down a whole bunch of words out of the dictionary and I'm going to figure out which ones feel like they're who I am. And so today, my, my values are honesty, kindness, self-actualization, and leadership. And so when I filter the decisions that I have to make through that funnel, and I trust my intuition back to this, that I'm making the right decisions and alignments with the goals that I have in my life, my wants, needs, and interests, and boundaries, like even though I'll make mistakes, in the moment, I know I'm making the right choice. And even though maybe it's not going to go the direction that it has to, in the moment, I know I'm making the right choice. Because, you know, the difference between success and failure in life is an action. And when you act, you're going to find out whether you're right or wrong. But without doing so, there's no way of knowing. And so that fear that that cannot, that that really makes people get stuck in this tremendously painful way. Fear is why you're stuck. Like people don't understand that. Fear, because you haven't yet established who you are in a way that allows you to move throughout the space of the world is why you can't seem to create momentum. So if you can identify and create yourself, this whole conversation is about creating yourself, right? Figure out your boundaries, figure out your I am statements, figure out the way you talk to yourself, figure out your values and start filtering your life through that. Because when you do that, then you start to really create who you are. And that's where you start to discover what you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, this has been an unbelievable conversation. I don't want it to end, but my question is like, Obviously, we have very clear takeaways here. Like we can easily, after this conversation, I plan on doing so to refine what I know about myself. Uh, We can define our personal values. We can write down our 10 binary statements. We can assess and improve upon the way we talk to ourselves. And this is like obviously free for people to learn how to do. But a lot of people don't know how to do this. And I never would have if I didn't start going to see a therapist and to learn more about myself. That was for me, I didn't realize it at the time when I started as a, as a younger human, but I was investing in myself. And um, it didn't occur to me until later on in life. How important do you think that is in order to help people expedite this process? Or even is it possible to do on our own? I mean, you've, you've obviously learned a lot about yourself. yourself. Yeah. So yourself a lot. Yeah. So, so here's the truth about this. You know, I, I think about what it means to invest in yourself through this. You're going to have to invest time, effort, energy, or money chances are you're going to have to do all four, right? And it's a little acronym you can remember called TEAM, time, effort, energy, money. In the beginning, I think there's levels. I think I look at it like a video game, to be honest with you. There's levels. Mm-hmm. You have to level up to the next thing. In the beginning for me, it was books, right? Books were a huge role in my life. I still have a library card. 95% of the books I read come from the library. Do I have to wait an extra week most of the time? Yeah, but guess what? People who are like, that book's $25, I can't afford it. You're out of fucking excuses. Go to the library. It's free, right? And so it started there. It started with books. And then it started with podcasts, which when I really started this, weren't around that much. There were a handful, but it wasn't what it is today. And there were videos and there were conferences and there were small entry points into education. I remember I got a course from Brendan Burchard one time. It was like $9. You know what I'm saying? And then you start to scale up. 
to the point where you're like, oh, I'm working with these people. I'm learning from these people. I'm in connection. I'm in small groups. I'm in masterminds. I'm at their weekend course. I'm at their beach house. Right. And that like is, it takes time to get there. You know, what's funny is in the beginning of this for me, because I had to change my relationship with money, right. I had a trauma relationship with money, right. I was terrified of it, terrified to spend it, terrified of using it, terrified of having it. My grandma used to say the money's burning a hole in your pocket. I'm like, yeah, cause I don't know what to do with it. And so then what happened at the beginning of this, you know, someone, I would find something, it'd be $50 for this course. Maybe this course could change my mind, change my life, change my everything. I'd be like, that's too expensive. $50. No way. This year, and this is not a flex. I swear to you, it's not. I'm just laying out framework. This year, I'm going to spend 50 grand on my personal development, on just me, nobody else, just me. But I was scared to spend $50 10 years ago. And so the thing is, you just, you got to like leverage, you got to level up into it. It's going to take time, but to, to understand something really important in this, where you're at today is where you're at today. Stop trying to go and find the dude 10 miles up the road. You ain't there yet. How about you look for the person who's one step in front of where you are? Because to get 10 miles of the road, you're going to have to take a lot of one steps to get there. I've had different mentors. I've had different courses. I've had different, you know, all the things along the way to get to where I am today. But it all started with a very simple investment of time, effort, energy, and money. The minimum of what I had and what I could at that time, even, you know, getting into $100 courses, being like, that's so much money. I'm terrified right now. I might not be able to pay my rent. Seriously. And so starting there, start where you are. Stop measuring the guy who has a billion dollars. What does that have to do with you? Nothing. And start looking at who you can connect with right now, today. And and when you do invest, I mean, what I've learned, I, I mean, I was the same way. I wanted to, I thought I could do it on my own. Uh, I thought, you know, I was putting in everything but money and spending a lot of time trying to, learn things. And once I started investing more money into people who would be able to teach me to do what I want to do faster, more effectively in a healthier manner, get there the quote unquote correct way. I started realizing that really what I was doing is I was buying time. Yep. And exactly. so I was spending more money to save myself time. And I mean, as an example on my health and fitness journey, when I started investing in coaches I got to where I made more progress in two years than I did in the previous six. And if I could have gone back, even though I didn't have the money, I would have found it. And I would have found a way to either loan it or invest it or put it on a credit card, uh, somehow, somehow invest it. Um, and that started to grow into now, you know, I have my business coach and I couldn't afford him when I, when I invested in him. But I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't like a bet. It wasn't like I'm going to Vegas and I'm putting all this money on red. This was an investment. And as long as I was able to execute, which I have written to myself that I can, I am the type of person that executes, then I know it was going to be a good investment for me. I'm going to make my money back. I'm going to become a better person. I'm going to become a better business owner. Um, and so, but it, but it was scary and it still is scary. I think you just become totally. more comfortable with potentially failing. Yeah. And, and look, I, I, I wish that more people would really hear what you just said because they're, they're just not going to hear it. Mm -hmm. It is scary, but it is an investment in yourself and an investment in yourself has no ROI. It's infinite, mm -hmm. right? The investment mm -hmm. in yourself is infinite. You're not going to get it back and you're not, you're not going to ever give anybody $1,500 who's going to help you change your life and be like, give me my 4,500 bucks back. Right. Not, that's not how this works. When, when I go back and I look at it, dude, I, if, if I had to go back to start like for real, for real, if I had to go back to day one, 11 years ago, starting this journey, the first thing I would have done is hire a coach. I probably would have yeah, done that same. before I hired a therapist, to be honest with you. Right. Mm -hmm. I would have hired a coach first. I would have started the behavioral changes. I would have started a lot of the things that we talked about today. I would have sold everything that I owned, even though I didn't have anything. 
I would have gotten rid of what I did have to afford it. I would have put it on a credit card. I would have stolen a car for our bright. Let's that's probably not a good analogy, <laughs> yeah. but you get my point, right? I would have done what it not took. Anything. I would have done what it took, right? Because mm-hmm. again, what is one? I am a person who's willing to take massive risks instead of saying what if, right? And so mm-hmm. in those massive risks, like it feels scary. It does feel scary, but you don't have a $2,000 problem. That ain't your problem. You don't have a $500 problem. That's not your problem. You have your life sucks problem. And until you make massive shifts in your life, that's not going to change. And so Mm -hmm. that relationship with money, it's buried. It's ingrained in us. It's cultural. It's societal, right? Oh my God, save your money, save for a rainy day, blah, blah, blah. You'll go to a $150 dinner, but you won't buy an online course. All right. Mm-hmm. It's priorities. Well, and cutting, I mean, cutting back on those things is a huge way, a huge way to step forward. And if, you know, once you start understanding investing money, I think one, you know, one way to think about it is you could have, you could have money in a bank account. That's one way of storing it. Or you could own a house. That's another way of storing your money or you could own stocks. That's another way of storing your money. But like buying things like courses or any sort of investment in yourself is another place to store your money. That's not, I don't, at this point, like I've, I've, I've uh, understood and stopped thinking about that as spending money. Like I don't, I'm moving it into another area. Like it is an investment, you know, um, and Mm -hmm. understanding that I think is super powerful. Yeah. And, and, it's, I think that you're right. That's the hardest part is investing in yourself. You feel like you, you know, that there is no ROI and the, all of the ROI is going to come from what you're learning from it, what you're able to do to improve your life. It's not, there's not a dollar amount that you can assign to it, which is I think why it's hard for a lot of people, but it's, it's almost infinite in a way. And as soon as people become comfortable with the idea of like Travis said, you're not spending money, you're, you're moving it into something that's going to benefit you and your future and the person that you want to become. I think that when we were talking about reframes is probably a really helpful reframe for a lot of people who are nervous to start doing it or think they don't have enough money because you probably do. You have enough to start no matter what it is. If you wanted to make it happen, like you were saying, if you went back 11 years, you would have done anything, almost anything <laughs> to make it happen. And um, I think that's hard. That's a hard concept for people to grasp. But man, ask any of any of us and anyone else who's ever spent money that we, especially that we don't have. I've spent money I don't have mm-hmm. on investing in myself. I would do it 10 times over. There was, there's never, a, there's never been an investment in myself that I, that I would take back. It's all been extremely beneficial. Yeah. So, and uh, man, and I think what's interesting is, you know, as you level up into mentorship, you also get surrounded by different people, right? And this is a part I don't think everyone talks. Most people don't actually talk about this. I don't, it's rare. Your circle changes. The people around you mm-hmm. change. The the people in your connections change. And what's really interesting about that is that the people around you, as you start to change, they will point it out. Some people will appreciate it and some people will not. And Jay-Z has one of my favorite quotes of all time, which I'll paraphrase here. People around you saying that you changed. I didn't do all this work to stay the same. And that mm-hmm. is something I carry with me all the time, because if you're not changing, you're dying, right? If you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And so I think about this when you're investing in yourself and you're getting in these different circles and it, and they're small circles to begin with, and they're awkward and they're uncomfortable and you don't feel like you fit in and you keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And then you start to look at the people around you and you go, oh shit, that's possible Man, it's crazy to me some of the things that I've done in my life because I was looking at people around me going, they did it, so I can. And and I mean, like, it's incredible. I mean, Grant Cardone, undercover billionaire, he's invested $10,000 in my business. I've been on Entrepreneur on Fire as a guest. I've spoken to Gary Vaynerchuk. I have Tom Bilyeu as a mentor. And I'm not name dropping to be like, oh, fucking name drop. Dude, it started with being afraid to spend $50 on a course. Like you, re- <laughs> God, I could talk about this all fucking day with you guys because people <laughs> do not understand the value of this. 
Mm-hmm. You have to understand that if you put yourself in alignment with people who are one step ahead of you on a long enough timeline, your life will be so incredibly different that when it comes time, and it's not only about money, let's be clear, but when it comes time, you're like, I'm going to spend 50 grand for one day of coaching. You'll go, I know why, because this person is one step ahead of me because I've been on this road for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask about that. We're, we're like just past an hour, so we'll probably wrap, like wrap it up in a second. But I just wanted to ask about that really quickly, like, cause you had mentioned, um, you know, Grant Cardone for instance. And I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, they think like, oh, if, you know, if I, if I could, um, have a mentor like that, you know, my life, my life would change, but I'm only like this person that'll never work. But, it, you know, you were that you were that person and you did get to that point. So I'm just I'm just wondering if you have any like um, actionable ideas or steps of how like people like how do you how do you find a mentor like that? Or is it or, you know, what did you just kind of like stumble into something like that? Or like what are the you know, how, how do people go about because obviously if you just like send a bunch of DMs to a bunch of famous or, you know, influential people, you're probably not necessarily going to hear back or maybe you will, but yeah, I'm just wondering like from your perspective, you know, how do people find like mentors, you know, of like a higher level? Yeah. The shortcut is always money, right? The shortcut's always money, but before that it's connection and it's looking at the other steps I took on the road there. Right. And it was very much a looking at who do I need to be in connection with that can help me go to the next level that I can invest myself into. If you email me, guys, you got to understand this. If you email me and you're like, hey, I'd love to chat with you. I'm not even going to respond to you. I don't have time for that. Like, I'm literally trying to change the world. And you're like, I want to chat about nothing. Like, what are you bringing to my life? You have to also bring value to people's lives and mentorship. Look, this is, and this is going to make people go, oh, who does he think he is? I'm so incredibly busy. I work 90 hours a week. I'm trying to balance multiple businesses. I'm doing this on a Saturday with you guys, right? And so you want to have coffee to talk about what? Right. And so the first thing that you have to understand is you do have to bring value to other people's lives. And when you do that, they will be in connection with you. The shortcut again is money. But thinking about this idea that you'll never be at that level, you've already dismissed the notion of its possibility. If you say, I'm never going to be at that level, that's going to be true. But if it starts with maybe I'll just read the book. Hey, that guy wrote a book. Cool. I'll read that book. Hey, that guy has a a workshop. I'll do that workshop. Hey, that guy has a conference. I'll do that conference. And then you get familiarity and then you start changing your circle and then you change your circumstances. And then suddenly one day you're sitting on a call with the guy, right? That might take you six years, 12 years, 15 years. Be patient, be patient. Just be where you are today. Stop worrying about 15 years from now right? It's macro and micro. I know we're, we're like way over time, right? I want to share this because I think it's really important. In the macro, patience is everything. You can make any dream that you've ever had come to fruition on a long enough timeline. In the micro, the thing that you have is you have to reestablish your relationship with time and death. It's a very odd juxtaposition because in the micro, if you act as if there's no tomorrow, it gives you a better opportunity to reach the goals in the macro. So today, if you move with expediency and urgency, like your fucking life depended on it towards that goal, that's still 30 years away, it will happen. And so even though today you can't be in connection with that person, you're just starting this journey. It's new. It's unknown. You don't have money. You've never done this before. Well, in 30 years, you can just change your relationship. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a beautiful way to end this is, and, and, and to actually take action. I, I like the idea of patience but immediate urgency, you know, sometimes in training, I'll think gun to my head. This is my only set, whatever it may be. And yes, it definitely does get you there faster. Um, and, and changing your circle is just incredibly important. I mean, I can speak from experience myself. I really want to drive this home that like, that was the first thing I noticed about hiring a coach and involving myself in a community of people who were doing what I wanted to do 
is that I started surrounding myself with people who were succeeding at what I wanted to do. That made me invest in a business coach. And like you said, the way you're talking about the things that you knew weren't they, you knew they weren't impossible, but they were far away and they will happen. Those things have started to happen at a rate far sooner than I ever could have thought possible, but I never dismissed the possibility of them happening. So this has been, I mean, to be honest, man, this has been one of the most impactful conversations I've been able to have. And I'm really grateful, grateful for you sharing your story. Um, I, I want to learn more about what you have, uh, what you have going on. And, and, you know, obviously I want to learn more from you. I know our listeners are going to want to as well. So I first want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been incredibly valuable for me and I know others, but I also want to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners where they can find you, give yourself the plug. What do you have going up on books, whatever you want? Let's hear it. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. It's, it's a wonderful conversation. I appreciate the back and forth with both of you. It's been very stimulating. I, I love having conversations like this. Um, mm-hmm. You can find everything you need to know at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. The Think Unbroken podcast is this space in which I said, how do I bring exactly what we've talked about today into that space so that I'm creating value for people every single day? Nothing pisses me off more than podcasts with no substance. So I literally give you, I tell people all the time, if you listen to Think Unbroken podcast, you don't have to listen to the book. I literally put a chapter of the book up yesterday, right? It's there. You don't have to ever buy anything. Why? My goal is to end generational trauma in my lifetime by any means necessary. And I believe that's through education. So Think Unbroken Podcast is the place to go. Awesome. I am 100% going to check it out. And and uh, I highly recommend everybody else does too. I mean, man, you the way you speak and articulate everything that we need, that everything that we want to do to improve ourselves is just... Um, it's very inspiring. And I, I aspire to be able to do so as clearly and articulately as you do at one point in my life. And I know I will. Um, so thank you, Michael. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Travis, for getting this all set up. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast. We will see you all next week. 